Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. When we eat sugar, it is not a brain food. It is a brain destroyer. Your neuron can actually pick up the sugar that's in your bloodstream coming through the capillaries to your brain. And then the sugar itself is having a detrimental effect on that brain cell. So this becomes very important in mental health, whether you're talking about dementia, depression, and anxiety, and bipolar, and schizophrenia, and post-traumatic stress disorder, and you know, just run off all the different mental health problems that we have. It's something that's controllable, though. We can do something about it. Hello and welcome to the Not Perfect Podcast with me, your host, Poppy Jamie, the founder of award-winning mindfulness app, Happy Not Perfect. This show is about giving you a pause to nurture and nourish your mind, body, and soul. Each week, I speak to world experts, authors, scientists, and inspirational leaders to share their wisdom and advice so we can all live better from the inside out and reach our full potential. I hope you join me on the journey. Welcome to part two of my interview with Karen Hurd, the Bean Queen. And if you haven't heard part one, I really recommend you do, because in that episode, Karen shares so much wisdom and a background into her discovery into the power of beans. She's a world leading advocate in changing your diet to change your mental health and using your diet to recover from autoimmune related illness. In this episode, we dig even further into how Karen's discovery around soluble fiber can transform your health from the inside out. She has endless information to give you, and she often dives heavily into the science, but stay with it because it's really life-changing learning. There are very few people who have changed my behavior for many months, and I interviewed Karen now back in October, and I'm still sticking to the protocol that she suggests about 
incorporating more soluble fiber into your diet. So I'm so excited that you're getting to hear from such a wise, wise, wise woman. It is truly a joy and honor to share this episode. So what I would love to in this episode um, is to kind of pick up where we left off and really dive into mental health because the gut and the brain obviously is so interlinked and yet that relationship I think is still quite misunderstood and also not a lot of education is out there. And then lastly, some of kind of your wisdom and guidance and understanding on endometriosis and PMS. So if we can begin uh, with looking at the relationship between the gut uh, and the brain and how beans can help with that, that would be phenomenal. It is a very complex subject. So I have an entire course on depression, anxiety, and mental health, and it is extremely thorough. It is very much on the scientific end. I mean, you know, you might have to watch some of the video clips several times, but it is extremely thorough. We believe there are more more than 100 billion neurons. Neurons are brain cells. And they communicate with one another through electrical messages. We call those electrical messages action potentials. Let me just give you a picture of what a neuron looks like. There's the cell body. And then extending from the cell body or neural fibers, they're called axons and dendrites. And they, they're like, uh, like, it's like a little spider web or like a, like an octopus, but it's more than eight arms. I mean, it's just a huge amount of neural fibers coming off one neuron. And then they stretch out into the surrounding space. And then there's another neuron close by, or there are actually many surrounding neurons that are close by, and they have their neural fibers that are stretching out too. But what is important to note is that not one neural fiber will touch a neighboring neural fiber. There is no connection. And we're talking about sending little electrical messages that have to reach the neuron, the cell body, so that the neuron can process the message and either send it on or stomp it out. And so to be able to get the electrical message to cross between this tiny little space, the space is called a synaptical gap. How are we going to get the electrical message that causes you to be able to think, to feel, and this is really, really important, our emotions are controlled by all of these neurons in our head. We have to close the circuit. How do we close the circuit? We have to put in a conductive material that will allow the electricity to decross. And what are those conductive materials? They're called neurotransmitters. These neurotransmitters... Right now, we believe there are over 100 different neurotransmitters that help us with all this brain communication between our 100 billion neurons. And you can send it in all different directions. I mean, you can send messages by so many different paths. It's just incredible the way that we can think. So it behooves us that we have an accurate, justifiable, and useful amount of neurotransmitters that are in that space, that are in the synaptical gap to carry the message. Because if we have too much neurotransmitter in that gap, it's just way too much, you're going to be stimulating, they're called receptor sites on the neuron. You're gonna be, this electricity is gonna continue to stimulate, 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 stimulate the neuron. 
into either an action or into being an inhibitor. You see, there's two signals that a neuron is receiving. They're either going to get an excitatory signal, that means excites the cell to go on and pass the message on, or an inhibitory response, which says, shut down, we're not sending this message on, it dies here. So how does a neuron determine if it's going to pass the message on so the thought can continue, the emotion continue, or the motion, emotion can stop? It is the sum of the action potentials that are triggering all of these receptor sites on that one neuron. A neuron doesn't have one receptor site. It has many, many, many receptor sites. And so it's getting messages from all over. Think of it like a conversation, you know, and you're in a room with a lot of people talking to you and a lot of noise. And so which voice do you hear? Which ones you don't hear? Well, it's the sum total, and it is just a, it's a very easy mathematical calculation that the neuron does. If you have more signals that are exciting the neuron to send on the message, then the message will be sent on. But if you have more messages saying, no, do not send the message on, then the message doesn't get sent on. We look at then the issue in mental health then becomes a physiological one. Certainly, there are all of the changes or, or, and the, the happenings in our environment. I mean, if we're under stress with our job, with our family, you know, we have stressful events. They're impacting us, but how do they impact us? Really, what happens in a biochemical sense? We produce hormones, and the hormones that we are producing are neurotransmitters. In the brain, the neuron actually will secrete a neurotransmitter. It's called the, the sending neuron. It's called a presynaptic cell. It will send, create the neurotransmitter so that we can fill that gap so the message can be carried out. But the neurotransmitters are not just made by neurons in your brain. Neurotransmitters are also made in other parts of the human body, primarily in your adrenal glands. And the adrenal glands produce hormones, very specifically epinephrine and norepinephrine. They create a lot of hormones, but those are the two that we're going to be concerned with in mental health, epinephrine and norepinephrine. We call them adrenaline collectively. You know, we'll say, I'm having an adrenaline rush, or I'm so upset I can feel the adrenaline coursing through my body. These are hormones, and these hormones are able to act as neurotransmitters. And so they're flooding the synaptical gap. And so you're getting a lot of messages. The traffic is incredible. The, the conversation and the noise and the, and the chatter in the room is loud. And so what message is going to get through? Well, the neuron's going to add up. Well, how many inhibitory, you know, receptors did I get? And how many, you know, did I have for the excitatory? So you'll either become wild and crazy and super hyped up or you shut down. And this is not, well, you have a problem with your mental health. You haven't learned how to deal with your situation. People, this is the physiological problem. So if we can control neurotransmitters and the balance of neurotransmitters that are in the synaptical gap, then we're going to have an incredible change in the way we think and the way we feel. And so our drugs, and we have a lot of uh, drugs on the market, medications for people with, you know, depression or anxiety or, you know, whatever the mental health problem is. Almost every single last one of them 
are all targeted to affecting this neurotransmitter balance in the brain. But is there something that we can do, I mean, to help out the situation? Absolutely. If we recognize that the majority, a large part of the neurotransmitters that are being utilized in the brain are made from the adrenal glands, then we can promote the health of the adrenal glands. So what makes the adrenal glands produce all of this extra adrenaline, alias epinephrine, norepinephrine? Sugar. Sugar is at the top of the list here. And you'll say, well, sugar, when I take it in, some people get really hyper with it. And some people just sort of check out and go into, you know, la la, they can't think clearly. You see it with kids, especially, you know, you feed them sugar and they're bouncing off the walls or they're sitting in the corner staring. So what's the difference? It's because of the number of inhibitory or excitatory messages that those particular neurons are receiving from that vast amount of epinephrine and norepinephrine that are flooding the synaptical gap. So what would happen if, let's say, I was eating as much sugar as I wanted to, and then I decided to come off sugar because I'm super inspired about trying to balance out, um, you know, my neurotransmitters in my brain, would I go into shock? Like, how quickly does the brain chemicals start to even themselves out and you kind of like feel this clarity? It's a two-week withdrawal. And so if you give up sugar, you're going to feel... First of all, you're going to crave it like nothing that you could imagine. I mean, it's just like an overwhelming, I've got to have, you know, whatever sweet it is. You have to just discipline yourself and say, no, I shall not do this. I am going to overcome this addiction. And so the withdrawal can be fuzzy thinking, um, feeling depressed, feeling anxious, having your heart palpitations, which is a typical uh, symptom that you see in anxiety. But is any of it dangerous? Are you going to keel over and die? No, not at all. You're inconvenienced, but that's all. And in two weeks, you are clear of the sugar and you can begin to heal. But there are also things on the neuron called glucoreceptors. Your neuron can actually pick up the sugar that's in your bloodstream coming through the capillaries to your brain. And then the sugar itself is having a detrimental effect on that brain cell. And everyone should know that the more you stimulate a glucoreceptor, so the more sugar you're eating and you stimulate the glucoreceptor, you begin to wear that cell, that neuron out, and eventually won't work at all. And there is something about neurons that's different than every other cell or almost every other cell in our body, and that is Neurons don't undergo renewal. They don't undergo what's called a mitosis. A mitosis happens like with red blood cells every 120 days, with gastrointestinal cells, depending on where it is in the gastrointestinal tract, every three days, bone cells every two years. We have a certain lifespan of cells where then they become old and then they're replaced by a new cell. Neurons are not one of those cells that undergo a mitosis. If you destroy a neuron, it is forever destroyed. We cannot recoup it. And so we, when we eat sugar, it is not a brain food. It is a brain destroyer. So this becomes very important in mental health, whether you're talking about dementia, depression, and anxiety, and bipolar, and schizophrenia, and post-traumatic stress disorder, and you know, just run off all the different mental health problems that we have. 
it's something that's controllable, though. We can do something about it. So how do we do something about it? Because yes, discipline, but is there, for example, let's say you're determined to modify your lifestyle, reduce your sugar. Is there something sweet in the diet that people can maybe start increasing and then decreasing the kind of the main sugar? Like, is there any halfway house? Well, it depends on what you call halfway. Carrots are sweet and they're acceptable. They are a lot less sweet than your blueberries, for instance. People always say, well, berries are not sweet. You know, they are a lot sweeter than carrots. I mean, if you look up the grams, you know, like in a hundred gram serving, how many grams of sugar is there? So you can have carrots, you can have, you know, your sweet bell peppers, you know, red bell peppers and yellow bell peppers and orange bell peppers. And people are saying those aren't sweet at all. Well, when you haven't had anything sugary, they're very sweet. You know, you eat a carrot, you almost feel guilty. It's like, or you could have butternut squash. You know, butternut squash is sweet, but it's not nearly as sweet as the sweets that we would. What about dark chocolate, like dark, dark chocolate? The problem with dark chocolate is that it has caffeine. Uh It's, It's a high caffeine source. And so, you know, I've said sugar is a, is a nasty bugaboo here, but caffeine is also because caffeine immediately gives a punch to the adrenal glands to pour out large amounts of epinephrine and norepinephrine. So there's several things that are contributing. And stress certainly is a contributor too. I mean, if we're always in a stressful environment, then you are having, you're in that fight and flight mode and you're producing that. So we want to work on that angle too. But so much of this we can do with our diet. So, and also the beans, does it work into this? Because it is also then helping take out that, you know, if we're pumping ourselves with sugar and have additional hormones that we don't really need in our, in our body, the beans, that is a key part of our diet because that's actually flushing our system out while we're working on everything else. Exactly. Because beans, where is epinephrine and norepinephrine cleared? I mean, it's circulating in the bloodstream and it can, you know, circulate up into the brain, but in in our circulation, it's going through our body very quickly in just moments. Everything is circulated through the entire body. It goes through the liver. The liver is clearing out all that excess epinephrine and norepinephrine, placing it into the biofluids. The biofluids go down to your gastrointestinal tract, meet up and get married up with the bile you know, the bile and the, the soluble fiber meet up in the norepinephrine, epinephrine in the bile. Love affair we love. Yeah. And then they got married and there's no divorce and then they all go into the toilet <laughs> and down the drain together. <laughs> Where does like water play in a part of this? Is it, you know, dehydration and water? Does this also kind of, is this another factor that causes havoc with people's mental health? Well, absolutely it can it's not a critical one. I mean, none of us should become dehydrated. The most common symptom of dehydration is fatigue and headache. Mm. All of our cells have to have some energy source. The energy source is called adenosine triphosphate. We abbreviate ATP. Adenosine triphosphate, to make one molecule of this energy-giving molecule, we have to have a certain amount of water, so many molecules of water to make one molecule of adenosine triphosphate. And the adenosine triphosphate is what's powering the cells. So the water in a sense is just like adding to your battery power. So if you don't get enough water, then you don't have enough energy for the cells to do their job. So it is an important part of everybody's life, but it's not a key factor that is, you know, if you're dehydrated, then your mental health is going to go down the tubes. No. So it feels to me that actually navigating our hormones is number one priority for 
gut health and mental health. And where does the, because, you know, they say 90% of our serotonin is created in the gut. How does that work into your schools of thought and what role does that have to play in how we feel? Well, the vast majority of hormones are not made in the gut. Right. The vast majority of hormones are made in the called the endocrine glands. Those are glands that secrete hormones. There are some hormones that are made in the gut. But the, the big issue with the gut is that the gut is where we're clearing all the hormones that the endocrine system is making. Mm. And so because hormones are such tiny little molecules, the liver very rarely degrades them. They're not taken apart into their little constituent pieces. They are sent down as a full and active molecule that arrives in the gut. We have cells that line the gut. They're called epithelial cells and they have receptor sites for these hormones. And so if you have a lot of hormones that are coming from your liver that you cleared out of your bloodstream, then they're triggering, 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 triggering sites. That's why you hear, well, you know, the gut is the second brain. Well, it's a very tertiary reaction because the hormones are, you know, made out of, for, made from the endocrine system. Then they have to be cleared out and they're put into the bile. And then they have to be going down to the gastrointestinal tract. But if you had soluble fiber there, you're immediately binding all that up and then you just negate all that. So it's just like a, a consequence of, the hormones being able to act on epithelial cells. And what are your thoughts then? Because obviously there's a lot of marketing around people taking probiotics for their mental health. And also, um, you know, people get very bloated when they're feeling stressed. How does then beans and like no sugar kind of, you know, do you even need a probiotic, I guess? No, you don't need a probiotic. When you're bloated, let me just explain what bloating is. Bloating is gas. It's trapped gas that you have not been able to burp up or to pass as flatulence. And so then where does this gas stay? It's in your gastrointestinal tract and you blow up like a balloon and you can become, you know, look like you're nine months pregnant or six months pregnant or whatever, you know. And that's because when you don't have enough soluble fiber and we have a lot of hormones triggering these epithelial cells in the gut, then you're going to cause fermentation to happen. And when you cause fermentation, you always get gas. If it's trapped, you bloat up. So how do you get rid of all these hormones? It's the hormones that are creating and driving the fermentation process. So if we can bring down the level of hormones, then you have less fermentation and you have more digestion taking place through what are called digestive enzymes instead of the fermentation pathway. And then you have less gas. So in time, you'll say, well, how long? We talked about that, you know, before, how long? Mm -hmm. Well, it depends on how many hormones that you've been recirculating because we recycled 95% of our hormones are recycling and then you made new ones. And so every day they go up, 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 and they just keep going up. Well, how long has that been going on? So it takes time to clear them all out, but eventually you don't have gas unless you're in a very stressful situation. You're making a lot of hormones and you're just not eating beans frequently enough to keep up with it because you're stressed out about whatever it is at the moment. So we, we look at probiotics, uh, probiotics are gut flora there. We have bacteria, friendly, good bacteria that live in our large colon and they help us um, in many ways, but they are self-perpetuating. So, if a bacteria, a good bacteria dies, it will be immediately replaced by another one. And the biome 
That's the home where the bacteria lives in the gut. The biome is a static environment in the sense that it doesn't get bigger. You're not going to grow more intestinal tract. You're not going to have more space. Where are these bacteria living? They are actually there against the epithelial cells in your colon. And so at some point, because these bacteria divide, 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 they fill up the entire biome. And see, bacteria are live organisms. They also have to eat. And so you've probably heard of foods that are called prebiotics. Mm. That's, the that's the food, basically, that a bacteria eats. So a bacteria in your biome, they will have already taken up all the space there is, and they're eating all the food, and they're self-limited. Because when they take up all the space and they've eaten up all the food, they're not going to divide and make any more of themselves because they're, they've made as many as they can be. And then when you add a probiotic into this already full biome, what happens to the new bacteria that are coming down? They're saying, okay, guys, move over, share some of your food. Hey, I want a space at the table over here. They'll say, no, there's no room. We, we already got it filled. You're not welcome. Get out of here. And it becomes a competition for resources. So when you're taking a probiotic and you have a gut biome that is already completely full, and you will, everybody does, then you are creating a competition of resources. And then what do you have? You have a die-off. You were creating a sloughing off and die off of many billions of bacteria. And so that creates a laxative effect. A lot of people take probiotics because it creates a, yeah, of course you do, because you're just sloughing off bacteria by the billions. And so it doesn't, it's not promoting weight loss. It's just getting rid of bacteria. Exactly. You're just promoting cleaning your gut. I mean, just getting rid of everything because you have to slough off this bacteria. So constipation then is that then not a gut flora issue, probably more the fact that you haven't had enough soluble fiber? You haven't had enough soluble fiber and you may not have had enough water too. You know, we were talking about water and mental health, but water is so key. Water is absorbed. It's absorbed all along the gastrointestinal tract, but most of the water is absorbed from your large colon and that goes in. And so if you don't have enough water, then your stool, you're absorbing water because your body needs water to make those adenosine. Without water, we die. We have mm -hmm. to have water. So the water is going to go into the bloodstream and then you're left with this residue that's dry and difficult to pass because you don't have enough water. Like if you look at meds like Miralax, it's a common one here in the United States. What does Miralax do? It, it's trying to hold the water in the stool and not let it be absorbed because we know you have to have enough water. So you have to have enough water. You have to have enough fiber, both insoluble and soluble fiber. And then we also have to look at meds too. A lot of people are taking various meds and even over the counter meds, you know, you can take like an antihistamine or something like that. And that can create constipation. I mean, you look at the side effects of medications too. What are we taking that could create that? And there's a lot of ways to help constipation. I mean, just getting enough oil, whenever you get more that, you know, we were going to pass 5% of all the fats, 95% is absorbed. 5% is going to go into the large colon. When you put more oils in your life, then especially if you bind it up with soluble fiber, oils make things, your stools super easy to pass. So to talk about recipes, you've got an amazing book, um, which gives a whole range of bean recipes, which are full of brilliant things for our mental health and our gut health. And I will put a link uh, to the book in the show notes. But what kind of beans, you know, what are small like recipes? Like, I mean, even chickpeas and oil and salt, is that a good enough kind of addition? Absolutely. That's a great addition. I mean, especially that's helpful for the bowels. And then 
you know, depending on your health condition, some servings of beans, we may want to keep separated from the fats because you want the soluble fiber to bind with your bile fats, not the fats that you're consuming them with. Uh, but if you're constipated, you want to have that soluble fiber, the beans with fat. So your chickpeas with a little salt, you could have, you know, oil and vinegar dressing, you know, there's in the United States, we have all kinds of bean snacks. I don't know what they have in the UK, but you know, we have bean chips and puff beans and, you know, there's bean cereals and there's all kinds of bean products. And you can just plain open a can of kidney beans or black beans and toss it on your salad, you know, put it into your casserole. So to move on to the womb, I guess, um, and PMS, um, endometriosis, it's a problem that I personally haven't really had, but so many of our listeners do, and we get so many messages about it because there seems to be no obvious roots out there to help. It's just, oh, that's what it's like every month get on with it. And it just seems extraordinary that women are in this much pain. What are your, I guess, like, we'd love your education and, and how, you know, your approach using soluble fiber and everything else, like, how does that help and alleviate some of the symptoms people go through? First of all, I want to say this to all the people that are listening to this. If you have PMS or endometriosis or fibroids or whatever that, you know, cysts on the ovaries. Yeah, yeah, polycystic ovaries. That's another one we get a lot of emails about. This is a fixable situation. Even if you've suffered for years, this is something that can be turned around. All of these conditions, endometriosis, PCOS, um, PMS, all of this, this is caused by an overexpression of the female hormones. We have basically estrogen, progesterone. We also have the follicle stimulating hormone and a luteinizing hormone. But the, the key culprits here are estrogen and progesterone. And when you have too much of those hormones, what are hormones supposed to do? They catalyze reactions. They cause something to happen. So if you have more estrogen than you, what you should have, then you're going to have a problem at, with breast tenderness at your at ovulation is when you would normally have breast tenderness. You can also have it at your menstrual cycle. And you will have a problem with ovaries that become so swollen because the estrogen is actually prompting the ripening of eggs and then the eruption of an egg from a follicle. The estrogen is stimulating too much estrogen stimulates the growth of cysts and fibroid tumors. Because when you stimulate a cell with a hormone, it is going to react. It doesn't just say, oh, well, I just got, you know, a message that I'm supposed to do something, but I'm going to ignore that. No, it responds. If it gets kicked, it's going to jump. So the key piece in PMS endometriosis is eat your soluble fiber, quit eating all the junk that increases the hormonal production, which I, you know, just ran through that list a moment ago, mm -hmm. but eat your beans on a frequent basis. And I'm dealing not with just 10 women or a hundred women or a thousand. I've dealt with thousands and thousands of women mm -hmm. and they all get better. This is not, well, I hope it works for me. It will work for you. It will work for you. I mean, I get emails every day. I cannot believe it. This is the first menstrual cycle. I've only been on, they call it the bean diet, but I've only been on the bean diet for one month. And this is the first time in 25 years that I haven't had pain with my cycle. I can't believe it. It's just, yeah, just clear some of these hormones out. Can you tell us about some of the stories you've heard of like the people that you've cured over the years? I mean, there's so many thousands. So I guess this is the question. It's like, you know, I mean, I have thousands of stories, but it just would be really inspiring to hear some of the stories that have most touched you. 
On my website, if you go to my course page, you know, if you look at the PMS yeah. course, if you scroll down, then there's these little blurbs of testimonies of people and, you know, they keep rolling in and it's just, it's just. I read some know, of them. That, I mean, it's life changing. Yes. Yes. I mean, where they're, they're not able to go to work, you know, and they're, then now they can go to work during their menstrual cycle. And, you know, they are, it's, you know, you have children at home and, you know, there's this mental health aspect to PMS too, because. Yeah you know, some people have the PMS that they just sink into depression or, you know, a, a mental health condition, but that's because these hormones that we're producing the estrogen and the progesterone are acting with epinephrine and norepinephrine. Whenever we create one hormone, it actually is working with all hormones. The endocrine system is under the if you will, the headship of the pituitary gland. The pituitary gland is a gland at the base of your brain. It's part of your endocrine system. It's not part of your brain, but it receives signals from your brain, the hypothalamus to say, ovaries produce so much estrogen. Hey, you know, adrenal glands produce so much epinephrine or cortical steroids. Uh, uh, pancreas produce so much insulin or thyroid produce so much thyroxin and it's telling, giving directions. But when you increase a hormonal level in one area, like in estrogen or progesterone, there is this balance that has to happen with all hormones. If you have more estrogen and progesterone, you have to have more thyroxine and you have to have more insulin and you have to have more epinephrine and norepinephrine. Everybody has to come up together. Mm. We're all in this together. The endocrine system is working as a unit. It's like your family unit. You know, you'll say, well, you know, mama's the one that's sick, but that's not affecting the rest of the family. Just mama's sick and that's just too bad. No, Daddy is upset and worried and trying to hold the family together. Kids are carrying more chores. They're worried about mama. The whole family is involved if one person is off balance. And it's the same way the endocrine system is a family of glands that are working together. So if you are off balance with your estrogen and your progesterone, you are going to be off balance with your epinephrine and norepinephrine, which affects your mental thought and how you feel. And I guess, it, you know, really the trick here is to have the discipline, as you said, is to really put this into action. Because once you've got the education, and that is challenging, would you say that there's often a desire, like we do want to give up sugar, we do want to change our life. And then we live in households where maybe the whole family has like a completely different diet to you. Like, are there any tools that you can change in your environment that can help you really stick to the protocol that you have researched for so many decades? and had so much success over? The biggest tool that I can advise somebody on is just work at changing yourself. I know that seems selfish. I'm only going to work on myself because I want to help my kids. I want them to eat better. And I want my husband to eat better. And I want my mom and my dad to eat better and all of that. You're going to have a big enough challenge to just change you. Where I see people fail and not being able to apply this is they're trying to make the whole family come on board. Mm. Don't do that. They're, they're not where you are. They will get there. And, and believe me, the best way that you can be a leader is by an example. Just you do it. Don't preach at them. Don't try to, you know, tell them, you know, that sugar is bad for you. You shouldn't be drinking that coffee. You know, you shouldn't, uh, don't do that. You just know, I'm just going to do my little piece here. I'm not going to drink the coffee. I'm not going to eat the sugar. I'm going to eat my beans. And, oh, everybody's teasing me. And I'll just laugh and say, yeah, you can call me, you know, the bean princess. If I'm the bean queen, they're all princesses then, okay? <laughs> and so I'm just being a little, I'm just, yeah, and I like beans. And just take the, you know, the razzing and the good nature way and just focus on, I have to do this. And then in time, 
those in your life that you love, they will come along too. And what about decaffeinated coffee? Is that a little bit better for you than caffeinated coffee or still is it? It's like saying, should I hit my left hand with a sledgehammer or with just the ball peen hammer? All right. I guess a ball peen hammer is better than the sledgehammer. It doesn't crush the bones as badly, but the bones are still crushed. (laughs) Decaffeinated coffee still has caffeine. And so caffeine is the stimulant of epinephrine, norepinephrine. And something that most people don't realize, there are many chemicals in coffee besides just caffeine. There's something called theophylines. And theophylines have exactly the same mechanism of action as caffeine, except they're stronger than caffeine. Now, there's not as many theophylines in coffee as there is caffeine, but their impact is even greater than caffeine because they're more potent. And so when we decaffeinate coffee, we remove some of the caffeine. We never are able to remove it all. It's, we, we just can't, it's, there, there's not a process where you can remove hundred percent of the caffeine, but no one's even looked at the theophylines. And so the mm. theophylines are still there because, and, and people will know this. They'll say, well, I'm drinking decaf coffee. Why are they drinking it? Because they still get a boost. Mm. They know that. So if you're saying, well, no, I'm, I don't, I'm not dependent on caffeine at all because I'm drinking, I will challenge you to this experiment. Give up your decaf and have a cup of hot water instead and see if you're not craving that decaf coffee and you're looking for that, you know, that burst of energy and that clarity of thought for the moment because it gives you this rush of adrenaline for the moment, but then it mm-hmm. leaves you lower than it finds you. And then you have to have another cup of decaf and another. And so, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? We're in this together and I'm going to be there with you all. Um, and I've just started the bean, the bean diet a few days ago and I'm also reducing my caffeine intake and getting on the route to giving up, up coffee. But where can people find you, Karen? Where can people reach out? What can people find on your website? And um, you also respond to a lot of things on your website, but we'd love to hear in your own words. On my website, basically you're going to be directed to all my courses. My courses are... I've just given you like a little taste of what each course might have. And then I give you a very specific protocol. These are the things you need to not eat. It's a list. These are the things you have to eat. These are the things you could eat if you have any room left over after you get your do list done. And anybody that enrolls in one of my courses, they have unlimited access to me. And so I am every day I spend my day answering emails from all the people that are enrolled in courses, and I will encourage you. And you know, there's something that you said that we're all in this together. We are. And what happens if you fall down and you go back and have a cup of coffee or you eat the donut or whatever it is? Are you done? Is it over? No. You pick yourself up and you go again. It wasn't it one of your great statesmen, Winston Churchill, who said, yeah. never, never, never give up. We never give up. So we all make mistakes and fall down. So we just pick ourselves up. We dust off our pants and we say, okay, I am going to get back on this and I will do it again. And we keep trying. So on my website, you'll, you'll be directed into a course and you can choose a course. If you don't know which course, I mean, you can email us. We are very responsive to emails. I mean, we usually get to within the day or two days, unless it's over a, a weekend or a holiday, then it takes us a little longer. And so if you don't get an answer, always just email again, because then obviously it got lost in cyberspace because we're very, very thorough with emails. I will help you. I will be there. I will encourage you. I'm not going to slap your hand and say, you bad girl. No, there's no bad girls. <laughs> you're just... Or bad boys, you know, you're, you're just, we're all trying together to 
overcome these addictions to sugar and to caffeine because both of those are, you know, it's just like nicotine or alcohol. We have to encourage one another. I will put all of Karen's notes in the show um, notes. And again, from behalf of everyone that listens, thank you so much for your time, your wisdom, your education. You also make uh, learning so fun. Like you bring so much energy and all the like the the images that you give, like it is just, it's so fun to learn from you. So thank you for the energy that you've given us in these last two sessions. And you've just been a great inspiration. You're welcome. You're welcome thank you for listening it would be a huge support if you wouldn't mind rating subscribing and sharing this podcast i also would love to hear from you so please find me at poppy jamie on instagram dm me and i would love to hear your thoughts on any of the topics that we discuss download happy not perfect my app that's designed to boost your mood and help you sleep and give you mindfulness in less than five minutes it's packed full of science-backed tools and rituals to give your mind the care it needs sending lots of love and energy see you next time hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.